This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Sarah Cazell delivering an award-winning update. And not quite award-winning dance moves on the way out the door there, Sarah, but it's close. You. Close. Close. I'm not sure what that was. I'm giving you everything I have right now, okay? <laughs> I appreciate I'm it. I'm tired. It's better than I We're can We're all offer tired. You. Yeah, I feel like you guys have already had a long day, what with uh, the NBA changing directions abruptly every five minutes today. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're pretty wiped out. Yeah. I feel like James Harden said that he gave all he could right before <laughs> That's true. traded. That's, that's oh, exactly what he said. Are you calling me James Harden? Look, I know I've gained some weight this year, but oh, excuse boy. you. <laughs> Well, if you're in Brooklyn tomorrow. The beard's tomorrow, not bad. Uh, wait, what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you guys are out of control. Woo! This is what happens when you get no... If, Sarah, <laughs> if Sarah's James Harden, that means Luke and I are John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> there are no winners here. I'll let you pick who you get to We're going to be fighting over being John Wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. At least he can dance. That's true. That is true. Okay, so it's neither one of us. Uh, all right. Well, we have a lot to get into. Now we have a lot of time to do it. This was supposed to be a half-hour show. The Suns were supposed to be playing the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young at the bottom of the hour. Uh, they are not. We obviously alluded to that on the show last night. We didn't know that at the time, but you could kind of piece some things together and at least make the educated guess. Uh, the way the NBA is handling COVID protocols, I'm not saying it's wrong. By any means, but you, know, you could you could connect the dots last night. I think we we uh, Cody and I both knew there's pretty good chance we were doing a two hour show uh, tonight, well before the news ever came out. Just because contact tracing is such a big part of uh, of what's keeping players off the court in the NBA, and uh, to put it as as blatantly simple as possible, the Suns played a team on Monday night that has had two players test positive. That pretty much takes the Suns off the court for a few games. And, and none of the Suns have tested positive to this point. So it's not that. It's just it is the contact tracing. It's This is not something that has only happened to the Suns. Uh, in case you missed it, although Sarah just put it in her update like less than two minutes ago, so hopefully you didn't miss it. But that game on Friday is already off as well. So the Suns will not be playing Golden State uh, on Friday. We'll see where this goes. You know, I, it, it's it's been an issue for the NBA now for a good week. It hits home more when it takes out your home team for a couple games. And again, I'll just keep reiterating, as of now, none of the Suns have tested positive that we know of. But uh, but the contact tracing, you know, you just you have to you have to keep testing and testing and testing for a few days. So I, I'm a little surprised they already ruled out the game against Golden State on Friday, but it was definitely going to get ruled out. <laughs> so why why wait till Thursday? You know, why not just roll it out uh, today, I guess. So those two games for the Suns have been postponed. Uh, what I like that the NBA is doing, and they're trying to handle this and navigate this as best they can. Obviously, all the sports are. It's different now not being in a bubble. What I do like that they did is they they put out half the schedule. I, I mentioned this last night, but, you know, that allows you to have some flexibility. I don't understand, and, you know, the NFL is going to get through the season anyway, it looks like. But I didn't understand why the NFL didn't just have, hey, week nine is a bye week for everybody. Like an additional one or something. And if we had to put any games in there, we could do it. What I really don't understand, and we saw this in college football with the Pac-12, any sport that's that's like 
trying to force their season into a very strict deadline. I just, again, the NFL, they're going to be able to play this season out, it looks like, thankfully, knock on wood. Uh, But if the season had had to get pushed back where the Super Bowl was awarded on February 14th instead of February 7th, who cares? You can't get crazy. You can't stretch it out, you know, two months past the, uh, the end of what the season was supposed to be. You can't, you know, hockey has a little bit of a, of a different restriction because they have a deal with NBC and the Olympics are on NBC this summer. But like the NBA, if they need, if they have a target date for the finals in mind and they end up completing the finals a week and a half after that, who cares? Get through the season if you can. And uh, for now, the Suns, boy, talk about a, just a painful loss. You lose to Washington. Washington isn't good. Bradley Beal's very good. Russell Westbrook wasn't even playing. You lose to Washington, and then you lose the ability to play two games this week. So, hopefully, the Suns will still be able to uh, to play Indiana on Saturday, get back uh, on track at that point. But now you, you've had the, uh, the taste of that Washington loss lingering for an entire week before you get back out there, uh, assuming... You get out there this weekend, I don't know. I mean, I would assume the Indiana game is in jeopardy for now, but uh, but we'll see. Uh, the key, of course, is that the Suns don't have players testing positive yet. I mean, the longer you keep saying that, which is probably why I've said it 73 times in this opening segment, the longer we can say that, the more likely we're going to see the Suns back out there on the floor. But I don't know if the NBA was fully prepared for how many games they would already be postponing. Because it's obviously not just the Suns. I mean, there's the Sixers and the Celtics and, and everything with the Wizards right now. And, you know, there's, it's, that's, that's, it's growing. So we'll see. But a, a, a lot of it is just from contact tracing and them trying to be careful and, and trying not to lose the season. So I totally get why they're doing that. But that's where I wonder if, if maybe they underestimated how much wiping out an entire team in terms of being able to play basketball based on contact tracing for a few days We'll see if they were prepared for that, if, if, if they anticipated it having this much of an impact on the schedule so early in the season. Again, the thing to remember, the NBA starting when it did, as much as I love the idea of the NBA starting around Christmas, and I've loved that idea for five years, uh, this particular year, playing around Christmas and New Year's means you're playing right in the middle of a spike with everybody getting together for the holidays, and the numbers are going to go up, and they have, and that's going to obviously impact the NBA Uh, And I would assume the NHL, too, although they're at least pushed back a little bit. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, in theory, at least, whenever the Suns get back out on the court, the Western Conference is a little bit easier to navigate. James Harden, you figured at some point this was going to get done, and then you absolutely figured uh, after last night that this was going to have to get done. James Harden gets dealt this afternoon to the Brooklyn Nets here. This is uh, this is Harden after the loss to the Lakers. Which is not good enough. Um, you know, we just we don't... We don't... Uh, chemistry, talent-wise, just everything. And it was clear, um, like I said, these last few games. Um, and just you know, from the beginning of the game, it was just aggressive. Uh, veteran team, obviously, a uh, championship team. And, um, you know, one of the best teams that we have in this league. Um, you know, I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, done everything that I can, um, you know, 
I mean, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, something I don't think can be fixed is essentially what he said there at the end. And uh, that was after the loss to the Lakers last night. He is now in Brooklyn today. We will give you the full details on that trade in just a second. Essentially a four-team deal. It's funny that he's the one saying that it can't be fixed when he's the one causing the problems. Yeah, that's it. I <laughs> guess getting him, getting rid of him is going to fix it, probably. Yeah, it might take six years to fix it, but yes. Uh, and the other main sports story today, the NHL season is starting. They already have one team that's got games postponed, the Dallas Stars. The first four games of their season, as it stands, uh, are postponed. But the NHL season starting today. The Coyotes will begin their season at home tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks, which right now is also the San Jose Sharks' home. So look how that worked out. But uh, it's... (laughs) If you haven't looked at the Coyotes' schedule, and I get it with the NBA and the NFL and everything going on, but it, it, it is strange because in the NHL, you're playing seven teams all season. It's like playing in you know a, a, a league growing up where there, was only, there wasn't that many teams in your league, so you just kept playing the same teams over and over again. That's what it's like. Coyotes, they start with two against San Jose and then four straight against Vegas. All right, we come back. We are going to dive into the details of that James Harden trade. What exactly does it mean for the Phoenix Suns? And have you lost any respect for the former ASU product? That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Okay, well, <laughs> it is a complicated trade, so I'll try and try and sift through it as, as simply as I can if you're driving around. I'm assuming you're not writing this all down. The Brooklyn Nets get James Harden. Cavs, the Cleveland Cavaliers get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. The Indiana Pacers get Karis LeVert and a second rounder. The Pacers actually kind of snuck in here and, and, and got some stuff. The Houston Rockets... Did better than I thought they were going to do at this point because everybody knew they had to trade James Harden, but they obviously take a step back uh, right now. They get Victor Oladipo. They get Dante Exum. They get three Brooklyn first-rounders. They get a Milwaukee first-rounder, now as I'm seeing this, so I don't know if that's typo or if that's from Milwaukee through Cleveland, I believe. And then four Brooklyn first-round swaps. As I understand it, none of those first-rounders or first-round swaps, none of those are protected. So in the long run, the the Houston Rockets could be, I don't want to say better off, because when Harden is engaged and playing at his best, he's one of the three or four best players in the world, unless it's Game 7. So it, it's it's the best they could do. In the moment... It certainly hurts a team that, coming into this season, you would have said that's a team that's going to finish ahead of the Suns. Or, even if you want to say that, a team that's that's a, a definite playoff team in the Western Conference. Like, you know, we have that conversation every, every offseason going into the season of, okay, well, if the Suns are going to make the playoffs this year, who's going to drop out? Well, you know, it's tough in the Western Conference because you also have to say, even if those teams drop out, other teams are going to climb in. Houston has been a staple in the playoffs for as long as James Harden has been there. Right now, they're already in, what, 14th in the Western Conference. They may actually get better from where they are now because Oladipo is a good player. And, you know, 
maybe just the simple fact that they don't have Harden. That, that was that was such an issue this year. He was like one step away from uh, what's the episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza drives around with the Yankees World Series trophy on the uh, the back of his car and just drags it through the parking lot. That's that's we were like. We were like a step away from James Harden doing that with the Larry O'Brien trophies that uh, the Rockets have. It, he clearly wanted out of there. You see the stories, you hear the stories, and so we just played that cut from uh, from Harden himself last night after the game against the Lakers. Like that wasn't going to work. So maybe getting rid of him makes them better than the the three and six record they have right now. But that shouldn't be a playoff team now in the Western Conference. So in that respect, it does help the Phoenix Suns, but I, I don't know. General just overall feeling with the NBA right now, I mean, as good as it was to to see Giannis stick with his team and say, I want no, I want to win with the team that drafted me, and this is like where I'm, you know, I, I grew up here, I'm, I'm this is my city now. As refreshing as that was, this is just another reminder that in the NBA contracts mean nothing it's the exact opposite of the NFL where you know the owners sign a player to a contract in the NFL and then the owners can just void it whenever so it's not real it's just like hey we can we can keep the player to these terms but uh but we can just end it whenever we want it's basically the exact opposite in the NBA at this point it doesn't matter what your contract is if you believe it does you know, I always laughed when people over the last couple of years, and thankfully it's not an issue now with Devin Booker, and it really never was with Devin Booker specifically, but it was just when that conversation would come up, people were like, well, he signed for a couple of years. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> if an NBA player wants out, they just force their way out. Again, fortunately, Devin Booker is not that kind of guy. I will say this, though. I mean, I covered, I had first really started covering ASU when James Harden was there. And he was, like, the nicest guy in the world. And I'm not saying he isn't a nice guy now. But, man, it's, it's, getting, it's getting tougher and tougher to root for him in the NBA. As, as you know, him being the most high-profile Sun Devil athlete over, I don't know, the last 10, 15 years and one of the most successful at the professional level, level uh, ever. I mean, there's no denying that. We've had this conversation in the past, Jarrett, and I used to have it on the show, where you know U of A has put so many more players in the NBA, but in terms of just individually, not 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 Steve Kerr being on teams that won titles, but just individual like a player that everybody around the world knows. James Harden is the most successful individually from ASU or U of A. And now it's kind of gone beyond that. He's one of the best players. He's going to go down probably as one of the best players of all time at the NBA level. You would think ASU alumni would would love this. But, man, he's just making it hard. Forcing his way out. I know he's not the only one that's done that. But it just, you know, you hear the stories of him, like, throwing the basketball at his teammates. He was obviously miserable and just, just pushing his way out of Houston. It is... I would say it's the biggest problem facing the NBA, but they can't play all their scheduled games right now. So let's say it's the second biggest problem facing the NBA. But just that ability for players to force their way out when they are under contract. I I always kind of roll my eyes when people are like, ah, I can't believe this guy left as a free agent. That's his right as a free agent. But when you when you have two, three, four years left on your deal and you're like, nah, I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me or I'll just I'll make your life so miserable that you can't get anything for me. That's there's something wrong with that, and it's uh, 
I don't know. That's just it's frustrating to see James Harden do it too. I mean, now it's it has to be Brooklyn or the Lakers that wins the title this year. I mean, right? <laughs> but I would I would assume if they can get Kyrie Irving under control enough where he can just not get the team kicked off the court for a week as they deal with contact tracing, or if he can just like avoid being suspended for a little bit or avoid getting in trouble with the league, this is a uh, it's a pretty ridiculous lineup. If you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Now, I'm going to want to watch all of their games, but I'm also going to want to watch them completely implode and self-destruct whenever they do, because they're going to. You cannot have those style of players, those styles of players with, with Kyrie and Harden. Durant's a little bit different. Durant is a more well-rounded player. But, I mean, three extremely talented players. Three players when they're on the top of their game, I don't know, top 15 collectively. And Durant has been the best player in the league at times, and Harden's been right there too, and Kyrie's very good. But you have those personalities, and especially now with Harden, the way he's been acting, and uh, with Kyrie, I mean, they are going to need a lot of sage to get through this season because the second things go wrong, and it may not happen this season, but whenever it does, that's that that dam is going to break instantly whenever it gets its first crack. Like it's the second Kyrie is upset that he's not getting shots or, you know, Harden's upset that Kyrie is not in the lineup or Durant's upset that he has to answer questions because Kyrie won't talk to the media or any of them are upset at each other. That hasn't happened yet. I'm sure there will be a honeymoon phase, especially because Harden and Durant are good friends from back at Oklahoma city. I think Harden and Durant could make it work. Harden, Durant and Kyrie as long as it works, it's going to be awesome, and that the Nets are going to be a, a juggernaut in the Eastern Conference. The second it starts to go south, though, you're going to want to get some popcorn because that is going to be a, a massive implosion on that team. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else on the team, unfortunately, including Steve Nash, has to say because those three completely dictate I mean, really not just the Nets, but uh, a good chunk of the NBA right now. All right, the uh, the Suns obviously not playing tonight because we're talking and doing the show, and the pregame is supposed to start here in about seven minutes. They're also not playing on Friday against Golden State. They tentatively still have their game Saturday against the Pacers scheduled. This is Richard Jefferson on the jump talking about the NBA's policy in regards to contact tracing. Being said, the contact tracing, I don't want to say it's too much, but there's no way it's like, well, like, hey, no, it needs to be first for, uh, you know, for our first line people, healthcare workers, those are the people. That being said, the contract tracing, I don't want to say it's too much, but there's no way it's like, well, you guarded him, so you need to go away because they have testing. that. That's can t- rare. I will say the Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum thing is rare. Yeah. They haven't done that yeah. as much. Yeah, but, but that looks like where it's going. They're trying to like, okay, well, maybe if we put you away, then it's like, yo, everybody was guarding Jason Tatum, right? So it's like you have to only do it when someone tests positive. When you're trying to sit players down and trying to do this stuff, it's going to add more because now you're, I understand contact tracing, but you can't do it when you're playing games to this extent look there's some truth to what he's saying and i'm not saying the nba should change their policy i think the nba was one of the front runners obviously with with putting the bubble together and playing out the rest of last season and crowning a legitimate champion even though we all hate the lakers it was a legitimate championship and you know it was a very entertaining tournament and they they managed to do it with no positive cases and they 
I trust Adam Silver more than most commissioners to go out there and figure out a way to do this, Adam Silver and his people. I mean, that league that league is innovative, and it thinks forward. And if any league can do this, I think they can. But they do face different challenges than some of the other sports because they have such small rosters. And because there are so many games, you're trying to cram 72 games into this condensed schedule. I, I mentioned this last night. The Pacers have five games this week. I mean, as it stands, they're going to play five games. But what if the Pacers had played Washington on Monday? There goes five games. I mean, to the point of the contact tracing, that was a weird cut the way that was edited, so I apologize. But the, the Richard Jefferson's point on contact tracing, the way it is in the NBA, it's you can connect the dots pretty pretty quickly of, well, you played against a team where somebody is out for health and safety protocols. They're not going to necessarily say, oh, you know, player A tested positive. But if you are on the Phoenix Suns and you played the Washington Wizards and on Tuesday morning you find out, oh, you know what, one or two of the Wizards tested positive, well, then you as the Phoenix Suns aren't playing for four or five days. And you can you can expound that upon the rest of the league. What was it? I, I want to say it was 41 players in the category of health and safety protocols right now. They're not all positive. It's We don't know the exact numbers, but what did we have Kellen Olsen on last night, and he was estimating like half a dozen out of, at the time, I think it was 34 players or 36 players. Most of this is is guys being held out because of contact tracing, which if you do that in the NFL and you're like, okay, you know what, buddy, uh, you just played against this team on Sunday. We're going to hold you out Monday. And we're going to keep holding you out until we get the, the test results we, we need. So that might take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Friday. Well, big deal, because you can still play on Sunday. You know, mess up your practice. It, it, there's, it's not ideal, but you can still play. And, and even, if, even if you don't get that test result back that you want in those first three, four, five days in the NFL, maybe you do miss one game. But in the NBA, it's like guys are just going to disappear this season for two or three weeks. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played... And like a, it's been more than a week and a half now, I believe. Week and a half, and like he's not coming back. Doesn't sound like anytime soon. That's a pretty big player for Denver, and we're going to see it around the league. So I don't, I don't think they could do a bubble. I really don't think you could do that for a full season. If you were even gonna, if you were even gonna discuss a bubble, it's got to be something where you like break the league up into four groups. And you get in the bubble for a couple weeks and play as many games as you can. And then I guess you would take a break and switch up. I mean, I'm just spitballing. And you would have to think your way through that. I don't think you can put all the teams in a bubble and say, you're going to be in there for another 60 games plus playoffs. Like, guys aren't going to go for that. But on the same hand, you're seeing guys like George Hill today saying, well, if we can't leave our house when we're at home and we can't leave the hotel when we're on the road, what's the point? I mean, I don't agree with him. What the point is, you get to play in the NBA and you're making millions of dollars. And, you know, <laughs> I understand it's tough this season. It's tough on everybody. So I don't agree with what he's saying, but I guarantee you he's not the only one thinking that way. And it's like if you're going to, if if everybody's essentially going to be on lockdown, like total lockdown in the NBA, maybe you should just do the bubble. Because everybody being on total lockdown isn't working anyway if one guy messes it up for everybody, whereas in the bubble you really couldn't, unless you were trying to get wings.
All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from the Suns GM, James Jones, his uh, his thoughts on the state of his team and uh, what to expect going forward. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is time for a round of This or That. Truth be told, we did play, Cody and I, an earlier round of this when we were trying to decide if we should play this or that or over-under. So that was the first this or that, and we went with this or that. So if that was confusing, I'm sorry. Hopefully this isn't. All right, Bear, I will ask you a question first. Is that how you want to do this? Sure. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, the way this works is I have four scenarios I will present to Cody. He has four he's going to present to me. No, I have three. You have three. Excuse me. All right. I will try to go. I thought them. I was done writing them, and then I went to print out my sheet, and I'm like, there are three here. So I wasn't, I'm not, uh, okay. So we will assume. If I think of a fourth one, I'll tell you. We'll assume the printer took, uh, took one of yours. Um, yeah, it's multiple choice with two possibilities. So we will go number one. Here's your two options, Bear. You are allowed to redraft the 2018 draft, but there's only two players you're choosing from, DeAndre Ayton or Mikael Bridges. Who are you taking? Oh, my goodness. That's I, that's not where I thought you were going to go with this. I know. It's usually Luka Doncic is the other. No. Nope. Mm, boy. Mm, mm. The number one pick with Mikael Bridges? No, no, no. I'm not saying you have the number one pick. I'm just, let, let's say you're picking, I don't know, fourth. And let's say Doncic and Young are already gone. And one everything. pick in the draft there? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's say you are picking wow. fourth overall. Aiton's still there because it's a redraft. Uh, I, man, if I had to choose between those two, I, I think I'd take Mikael Bridges. I think I agree with you. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to not say, "Oh, well, okay, we're not drafting number one." Okay, yeah. DeAndre Ayton because he's not the number. We're not. We won't look that stupid if he doesn't pan out if he's not the number one pick. Yeah. But yeah, so you're not you're not drafting number but one. In let's, terms let's take that of, out of it. in terms of just how good each player is now, I think I'd have to take Mikel Bridges. That's the thing. We're not two weeks into their rookie season. We're two weeks into their third season, and. The reason I, I posed it that way is because anytime you say, well, Aiton against somebody else in the draft, again, you, you're speaking to two different factions of the Suns fan base. There's the faction that's like, I don't want to hear about Aiton. I don't want to talk about him. And then there's the other side that's like, I would take Aiton over Michael Jordan in his prime. So Aiton versus Bridges is interesting because Bridges is better right now. Like maybe it's as simple as those two guys were both top 10 picks in 2018. Which one, if you could only keep one on the Suns, would you keep? I'm not giving up bridges. Yeah. So, all right. I think he, I, 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 I believe I heard Gambo say this, or maybe it was Bickley. I can't remember, but I agree with it. The big three for the Suns isn't really Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. No. It's Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikel Bridges. Yeah. And I agree with that. I don't even think it's close. And yeah. I guess you're hoping that Aiton becomes right part now of that. it's CP3, Devin Booker, and Mikel. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. I mean, they're winning with that. All right. Um, James Harden is now a member of the Brooklyn Nets, along with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You would rather have James Harden or Kyrie Irving on your basketball team? Uh, Harden. Harden. Uh, the last he's know, been a jerk and stupid recently. Yeah, Kyrie's been weird and unpredictable for years. The the thing that 
that I don't love about the situation of Harden in Houston is, by all accounts, I mean, they built everything around him, and they tried to appease him for the longest time. And it's not, you know, we were talking about this with Deshaun Watson last night, where it's like, you know, the front office, it sounds like, made Deshaun Watson a promise, and they said, hey, you know, we're going to do this for you, and then they, they just took it away. So I understand why Deshaun Watson is disgruntled, whereas Harden, we haven't heard any of that. He's just like, we're not good enough, I want out. Um, but yeah, Kyrie, I mean, if you're telling me... If you're telling me one of those three guys ruins it for everybody else in Brooklyn, we're all taking Kyrie as the answer there, right? So I would much rather have Harden on my team. Uh, okay, let's, let's stay along those lines. With Harden now in Brooklyn, at least talent-wise, it's pretty clear-cut them or the Lakers. So, you have to wager, I don't know, something. Something of value to you. You're taking the Lakers and the Nets or the other 28 teams to win the title this year? One, Like, you get the field, or you just get those two teams? Hmm. The Lakers and the Nets, you say? Yes. Oh. Because what I liked last year was that we, I thought we were getting to the point where it wasn't a clear-cut, like, two- or three-team yeah. race in the NBA. And we yeah. might be back there now. I'd probably take the... The Nets or the Lakers? Really? Because I think the Lakers are going to win. I had you figured for a field kind of guy. Because, I mean, here, let me just... Here's what's behind door number two, the field. Okay. You get Boston, Philadelphia, all these teams that aren't playing, but in theory... Yeah, great. Yeah, they're not going to play. That's (laughs) cool. You get Milwaukee. uh, You get a gently used Indiana Pacers team. (laughs) You get the Clippers. You get the Suns. That's about it. No, I'll I'll take the first two. I don't know if the Nets are going to get there, but... That's just going to be this crazy soap opera, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Or James Harden is just going to be the happy camper and go out there and play great with Kevin Durant, and they will wait eventually for Kyrie Irving to show up. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Kyrie and Durant have won titles, so like maybe Harden will be on his best behavior, and Durant usually is, On but yeah, Kyrie's already got his title, and he's so volatile. All right, uh, shifting over to football. You would rather have Deshaun Watson or the number one pick in this year's draft? Oh, this is a great question. <sighs> Deshaun. Yeah, if you're yeah. the Jaguars. Yeah. Because I've seen some, I don't know if they're rumors or just like, hey, this should happen. But someone w- was tweeting out or whatever that the Jaguars should trade the number one pick in a package to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I... I was talking to somebody about this over the weekend. Did you hear? Because Deshaun Watson's only twenty-five, so you know it's not like it's it's not like you're trading for Russell Wilson or something. Um, and obviously Wilson's more accomplished, but Deshaun Watson's I don't know one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And and if he's not on Houston, he maybe even gets better. Um, but what was the one that that was floated over the weekend? It was Deshaun Watson and. It was like Deshaun Watson to Miami for Tua in one of the first round picks that Houston traded to Miami. I, I saw someone say like this should like at one of those this should happen. The Texans should trade Deshaun Watson to the Dolphins for Tua Tungavailoa and Devontae Smith with the Dolphins probably drafting Devontae uh, Smith number three. Interesting, interesting. I mean that's a trade that could help both teams because then Miami would have Deshaun Watson Tua to and, add the, a good and team. the third overall pick for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. I that's and I wouldn't put it past Miami. They like the wheel and deal. Um, all right, let's go away from sports here for a second. It was cold out when I woke up this morning, and uh, it's cold out right now. Relative. Would you rather 
live in a house with somebody that keeps it too hot or too cold. Oh boy, this is this is seems personal. I feel like you have yeah, but it is. But I feel like you have a very you're going to have a very aggressive answer. I don't know what it's going to be. I would rather live in a house that is too cold because it's easier to warm up. Yeah, okay. You can get some blankets. You can wear some long pants and a jacket and a hoodie. When it's hot in the house and you're just sweating your butt off all the time, like yeah. it's just hard to get cooled down. Especially if you have apparently you have no control over the thermostat. <laughs> no, I'm just it's just this hypothetical situation. Yeah, but, it's so hypothetical. Would you rather be in the house with somebody that in the winter is like, no, we're not going to turn the heater on, or in the summer is like, what air conditioning? I don't believe in that. I grew up. I would in rather Florida. not turn the heat on, okay. honestly, because like I said, I think it's easier to get warm. Okay, inside especially. I, I would agree with that actually. Okay, do you have any more? I have. I have one more. Okay. Uh, the NHL starts tonight. Yes. So, of the seasons that haven't started yet, the NHL. Or the MLB will have the more successful season <laughs> in terms of like COVID issues and all Man. that, getting through their season. Your, your questions are. We don't even know what the MLB season is yet. Yeah. Like I saw yesterday or a couple days ago, Rob Manfred's like, plan to have a full hundred. I'm like, plan? <laughs> Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report in like. Three weeks. See when you. What are you doing? When you said you saw Rob Manfred. I thought you were going to be like you saw Rob Manfred and somebody was jabbing him with a stick, being like, "Rob, wake up! The season's supposed to start hey, in like two months. Do something." Huh? What? Um, yeah, I, I will say the NHL. And look, Dallas. As I said earlier in the show, Dallas Stars already have an issue heading into the season, so the start of their season is delayed. I will take the NHL. Less games. They have a fifty-six game season. They do have the deadline of the Olympics, which directly impacts them because the Stanley Cup and the playoffs are on NBC, and that's who covers the or carries the Olympics. But as I said earlier, I trust Adam Silver, and I trust Gary Bettman to manage their leagues right now. I don't know about Roger Goodell, and I really don't know about Rob Manfred after what we just saw. So, yes, I trust the NHL will will be able to pull this off better than Major League Baseball. Uh, okay, let's see what else. I got a couple for you here. Um, Okay, the two feel-good teams that are left in the playoffs in the NFL. Everybody kind of says, like, if you're not, if your team's not in it, and obviously ours isn't, you should be rooting for the Cleveland Browns or the Buffalo Bills. So, Bear, would you rather the Browns win the Super Bowl or the Bills win the Super Bowl? The Bills. Yeah, me too. I like the Bills more. Not that I don't like the Browns. I don't know. The Bills are more fun to watch. I'm not, I'm not ready no, I'm disrespect. not ready for the Browns to win. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mentally prepared. I'm not. I don't think. I think most people are not ready for that, especially after what's gone on in the last year and a half. To look up and see the Cleveland Browns holding the Lombardi Trophy. No, no, none of us are ready. For I that. like it when there's a different, two different teams in the championship. You know, matchup, whatever the finals, whatever it is, World Series every year. I like it when it's different. Yeah. So. I think the Bills have a better chance to beat the Chiefs. I don't think the Browns would beat the Chiefs. Well, we're going to find out this weekend yeah. th- that you are right because the Browns are not beating the Chiefs. All right, that was this or that. We'll come back. Hour number two of the show begins with the reload next. It is the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. 
All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studio. Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher behind the glass. A special shout-out to Cody Fincher, who is uh, working his second consecutive show today. So uh, I tip my hat to you, Bear, except I don't have a hat, so sorry. So then none of this matters. Got it. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, I'm watching. I have the, the Brooklyn Knicks game on right now, and it's funny because there's no Kyrie tonight. James Harden isn't there yet. Everybody on Brooklyn, you can tell, it's like, this is our last chance to shoot the ball. So they're just having a field day out there. And they're also playing the Knicks. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are not playing tonight. If you tuned in to hear them play, well, that, you, you, you are trained well. They would have been on this station tonight. Uh, feel free to stick around. This is the rundown. But, um, yeah, they were supposed to play tonight. Not happening. Supposed to play on Friday. Not happening. So tonight's game was supposed to be against the Atlanta Hawks. It's not that anybody on the Suns, at least as far as we know to this point, none of them have tested positive. It's because they just played the Wizards on Monday, and a couple guys on the Wizards have tested positive. So this, it appears, I mean, the, the information, they don't have to give out all the information. It's it's hazy, but uh, it appears this is just a, a side effect of contact tracing right now. And... As much as it may seem like, okay, well, how, why are they already ruling out the game on Friday for the Suns against Golden State? Not like Golden State has any issues. I kind of hear that logic, like, hey, it's Wednesday. Could you at least like humor us until tomorrow? But there's no way they're playing the game on Friday, even before they ruled it out today. The second you ruled the, the Suns uh, out of the game tonight, just with the way the NBA protocols are set up, where you have to test negative so many times after you have been exposed, there was just no way they were going to play Friday. I mean, now the focus, if you are a Suns fan, is can they can they play the game Saturday against the Indiana Pacers? Um, we will see. You know, it's every every team in the league is is going through this or being affected somehow. It's affecting the Suns now a little more directly than a lot of the teams because you know you were off to a, a decent start. You lose three out of five starting with that Clippers game on January 3rd. But even that Clippers game was like, okay, well, the Suns, you were down by 20 at one point. You, you come back, you you get it to two, end up losing by five. That was the day the Cardinals got eliminated when they lost to the Rams. And I remember thinking, like, oh, these are two these are two losses to teams from L.A., but the, the Suns' loss doesn't feel like a loss. Like at that point, the Suns were five and two. And you're, you're saying they... They fought back in a game where they were getting blown out by a title contender, if you believe the Clippers are a title contender. But uh, since then, you know, that's that's a loss. They beat Toronto, lose to Detroit. That's a tough loss. You shouldn't be losing to Detroit. Beat Indiana, lose to Washington. You shouldn't be losing to Washington. And as it turns out, that Washington game was especially costly because that is why now the Suns are not playing tonight or Friday against Golden State. And we'll just have to wait and see... You know, if these games are going to be made up after the first half of the season or if they're going to try and just weave them into the schedule in the second half of the season. Uh, This was Richard Jefferson. Uh, I'm not going to play that clip because it was messed up. But this was uh, this is Woj yesterday talking about the new COVID restrictions. And it's it's drawing some criticism from some of the uh, the players. But in case you missed it, this is what he had to say. Twofold, the ones that include what you're allowed to do on the road in team hotels, number one, not being able to leave the hotel. No longer can they go to dinner at restaurants or go anywhere that's not uh, team-related uh, to the arena. Uh, or 
and I think the one that teams and organizations have been talking about really since it was instituted at the beginning. The ability is now gone for players uh, or staff to have any guests outside of the team in their hotel rooms. And as you know, as one GM said to me, it was kind of the Mack truck that was driving through all of our protocols for everything we had put in place. The fact that individuals who weren't tested, who weren't under any of these protocol or any of these guidelines could come into the hotel, go into players' rooms, was a grave concern to teams, and now that is eliminated. Yeah, I mentioned some of the players, as you would expect, were critical of that. George Hill has been maybe the most vocal of it's uh, the, the Oklahoma City guard. And he essentially, I mean, one of the quotes is, uh, we want to play the game, but I don't understand some of the rules. We can sweat 48 minutes with a guy next to us for 48 minutes, but we can't talk to them afterwards. It makes no sense. And then he went on to essentially say, you know, if we're not, if we need these stricter protocols, maybe we shouldn't be playing. That was sort of the implication. And I don't agree with it. I mean, there there's a very, there's a very clear reason why you should be playing. You're being paid well to play. I mean, if you don't want to, you can opt out. But um, I think this is a human response. I mean, he has another quote that says, this is George Hill, I'm a grown man. I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to go see my family, I'm going to go see my family. They can't tell me I have to stay in a room 24-7. If it's that serious, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. But it's life. No one's going to be able to just cancel their whole life for this game, unquote. I mean, there's some truth to that. I, I'm not... I don't, I don't look at that and be like, oh, George Hill's a fool. Like, no, there's... If you're going to tell these players, and, and I had a, you know, I think we all had that thought when we first saw those come out yesterday, those new protocols of like, wait, you're going to tell players, NBA players, professional athletes, that they can't leave their house when they're at home unless they're going to work out with at the team facility or they're going to play. And on the road, they can't leave the hotel. And look, let's just be real here. They can't have any visitors at the hotel. That's not going to work. That's not going to go over well. That's basically putting them in a bubble. So if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you try and find a way to do the bubble instead? I 100% loved the bubble for the playoffs last year, and it worked even better than I expected. But I also 100% didn't see any way you could realistically do a bubble for an entire season. The new protocols that they're trying to put in, and I, I get why they're doing it. Like nobody's at, Nobody's wrong here. We're all being put in a screwed up situation. But these new protocols that they're trying to implement sure sound like a bubble. So at that point, why not just have a real bubble so that nobody tests positive? Because if you have, I mean, where you're really going to run into problems is when you get 97% of the league going above and beyond and locking themselves in their houses and not leaving when they're in their home city and not leaving the hotel on the road. And like two guys ruin it for everybody. That's that's going to get ugly. Uh, sticking with the NBA, James Harden. I don't know if you noticed this. He really didn't want to play for the Houston Rockets anymore. ESPN's Tim McMahon said the chaos of, of what has happened to the Rockets to begin the season. Yeah, that's really just one guy's fault. The situation is crazy in that it's been a chaotic year. Well, seasons tend to be chaotic when you're in the middle of the pandemic and the superstar that you've built the franchise around decides to go party in Atlanta and Vegas instead of reporting uh, to training camp because he's holding out because he wants a trade. And they, I mean, so that's kind of a chaotic way to begin a new coach's tenure with a team. They've had all kinds of issues with COVID, with you know him being part of that as far as 
putting himself in a position where the league wouldn't let him play in the opener. So, yeah, it has been a crazy, chaotic season. But for James Harden to act like this situation around him is crazy, yeah, the situation around him is crazy. He's the one who stirred up a lot of the chaos. Yeah, you know, I don't have the the problem with super teams that a lot of people do. I don't like them, but I don't have a problem with them if they are like if you've if you've drafted your team and you've you've done well with that, and then somebody signs as a free agent, or like even the LeBron thing when he when he did the decision is awkward of a of an hour show that was, and, and a miscalculation on his part, PR wise. But if it's a bunch of free agents getting together and picking a city and going there to play, like I don't love it, but I don't I don't have a problem with that. This though, the Harden situation hits on the stuff I have a problem with. I hate it that players can just force a trade. If you're in a bad situation, your coach is a bad guy or something, or you know, you've been there for a dozen years and you really have tried to be a team player and you know, I get it. Every once in a while you're gonna see like, hey, I've got two months left on my deal, please just trade me to a contender. I want to be out here. But that's not what the NBA is now. The NBA is like, yeah, I've got four years left. I don't like that new guy you brought in. Uh, dismantle your team and trade me, or I will dismantle it for you. Like, that's not great. And that's essentially what Harden did. I mean, that clip right there where Harden, we've heard, we've all heard the clip where Harden's like, oh, this is uh, such chaos and this team's not good enough. Well, yeah, you're the reason because of the way you've been acting for the last couple months. And I say this. I'm fully admitting James Harden was one of my favorite players in the NBA because of the, the, the player and, and the person he was at ASU. And I love the fact that he like he still he still proudly represents ASU and he's still wearing the ASU Adidas shoes into the bubble for games last year. And he's, you'll still see him at ASU games occasionally. And it's just like I want to root for the guy. But in the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break. From rooting for James Harden, uh, just you know, at least a little bit of time. I was, I know a lot of other, a lot of, a lot of other ASU people have already kind of burned out on him, but uh, I wasn't there the last couple weeks. I'm, I, I need a little break. The deal that got done today: the Nets get James Harden, the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, three Brooklyn first rounders, uh, another first rounder that ultimately came from Milwaukee. Four first-round swaps with Brooklyn. None of those first-rounders are protected. They get Kirks as well. The Pacers get Karis LeVert and a second-rounder. The Cavs get Jarrett Allen, even though they already have Andre Drummond, and Torian Prince. So now there's speculation all over that uh, maybe Jarrett Allen arriving in Cleveland means Andre Drummond could be on the move. I mean, Andre Drummond is pretty consistently 20 points, 15, 16 rebounds, and I think the other night he had he had put up like 26 and 24 in the same game. Usually gets a few blocks, a couple steals. Like if he's really on the move, uh, I would think a lot of contending teams would be lining up for him. And uh, the NHL season has gotten underway today. The Coyotes will begin their season tomorrow at home against the San Jose Sharks. We'll take a closer look at what to expect from the Coyotes a little bit later on in the show. When we come back, though, we'll get back into the NFL playoffs. We're down to the final eight teams. And uh, by the end of this upcoming weekend, we will be down to the final four. So get, uh, we'll get a different perspective on that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Coyotes begin their season tomorrow. I heard Rick talk when I was driving in on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. Uh, Coyotes, in case you haven't really been 
paying that close attention to how the hockey season is going to be set up. It's it's not. It's different than the way way the NBA is doing it, and, and these two sports were very similar with how they attacked wrapping up last season. Because remember, I mean, those were the two sports that you know football was done and baseball hadn't started yet when the sports world went on pause. Hockey and basketball were right in the thick of the playoff race. I mean, I, I still remember uh, the last Coyotes game was that Monday. And then, what, everything with Rudy Gobert and the Oklahoma City-Utah uh, game was Wednesday so that, of that week. And then that was it. I mean, I remember we were supposed to have a Coyotes game on Thursday at home against the Canucks. And we had all these plans for the game. And then that was that. And they, they, there was no game. And there wasn't any games until the bubble. Now the Coyotes and everybody in the NHL, much like the Phoenix Suns and the NBA, are playing in their home arena, so that poses some challenges, certainly. The NHL is doing it differently from the NBA this time in this sense, and we'll see. We'll see what this does. The NBA is playing 72 games. The NHL is playing 56. And partially because they didn't really have much of a choice with seven Canadian teams and nobody being able to cross the border, uh, they had to put all the seven Canadian teams in one division which then forces total realignment because there's obviously Canadian teams spread out over all four divisions in a normal year. So they are temporarily going with four completely new divisions. And if you're just getting back into the Coyotes now, top four from each division make the playoffs. And in the Coyotes division in particular, they have three of the best teams in hockey. Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis. St. Louis won the Cup two years ago. Vegas, a perennial contender ever since they joined the league. And uh, and Colorado's a lot of people's favorites to win it this year. So not a great draw in that sense. But they also have three teams in San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim who weren't even good enough to qualify for the bubble last year. That means those teams haven't played hockey in 10 months. And, you know, you could be like, well, I'm sure they've played hockey. They've been skating. Not as a team. (laughs) They've been skating as a team for like a week and a half. So... Those teams, and one of them is who the Coyotes see tomorrow night in San Jose, should be pretty vulnerable at the start of the season. That leaves two teams in the middle of the division, and that's the Coyotes and the Wild. It's not to say, especially in a crazy season, that Colorado, Vegas, or St. Louis couldn't drop a little bit, or that L.A., Anaheim, or San Jose might not climb up a little bit and complicate things. But going into the season, the Coyotes are in the one division where it's like there's three top-heavy teams, two teams in the middle, the Coyotes are one of them, and then three teams at the bottom. And if it plays out that way, the Coyotes, in theory, have a 50-50 shot at making the playoffs. Facing a Minnesota Wild team that they have trouble with head-to-head, or at least they did last year. But overall, and this is the other thing that I don't think has been talked about enough, although I did hear Rick Tockett mention this earlier today, so obviously he's aware of it and you would expect that. You're probably going to have to play three goalies this year in the NHL. Most teams don't have two good goalies. A lot of teams don't even have one good goalie. But uh, the Coyotes, when you start to go layer by layer, like if you rank Darcy Kemper against all the other number one goalies in the NHL, Kemper's a top five goalie. If you go on to Ranta against all the other number two goalies in the NHL, Ranta's probably a top five number two goalie. You don't typically see the number threes, but Aiden Hill, is. we're going to see him this year, and he's probably in the top tier, at least, of number three goalies. Honestly, he's probably in the top five, too, because he has some experience. So if this... If we get to a point where you where teams are forced to go to their second and third goalies because you're playing three games and four nights or four games and six nights or five and seven or whatever, then uh, the Coyotes are going to have an advantage over a lot of teams in that area. 
The other thing, though, that's different, you only play teams in your division this year. So the Coyotes are only going to play Anaheim and Colorado and Vegas, Minnesota, San Jose, St. Louis, and L.A. You're only going to play them eight times each. So get used to seeing those teams, which, again, when you look and you say, well, the Coyotes aren't, they don't score enough. Okay, they don't score enough compared to Washington or Pittsburgh or Toronto. Well, they're not going to play any of those teams. So they don't score like Colorado does. We saw that in the playoffs last year. But if you're just going to go raw goaltending and defense in their eight-team world, it's almost like an eight-team league. Like It's like there's four NHLs this year. The Coyotes could be in a decent spot in that regard. So we'll see. It starts tomorrow. And, you know, I say that San Jose hasn't played in 10 months. Okay, but the Coyotes have played four or five, like nine games in the last 10 months. So it's not like it's not like anybody has really played that much other than like Tampa Bay and, and Dallas. So we'll, we'll see. I expect a uh, a lot of growing pains for every team to start this season. But the Coyotes, they've got work to do big picture with draft picks and everything. But in terms of this season right now when goaltending is, is so important, they've got goaltending. They've got better goaltending than most. I saw an interesting story on the, uh, the Cardinals today on uh, Cardswire. Five biggest offseason questions for this team. You know, I, I think where fans get frustrated is when you're a Cardinals fan and you're asking, okay, who's going to be the corner opposite Patrick Peterson? Who's going to be the number two receiver? And you're asking that in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. You're asking the same questions year after year. That's That's when you get frustrated. The Cardinals are... I mean, I'm still not over that loss to the Rams, and it's been almost two weeks. Actually, that's not true. I'm not over the loss to the 49ers. That one, to me, is more frustrating, and that was almost three weeks ago. And realistically, they probably they should have beat the 49ers, which would have made the playoffs, and they probably would have lost to the Saints. So their season at this point would likely be done anyway, but I still wanted that game against the Saints, because you never know. Uh, but so now you go into the offseason, and... You have questions, and you have probably more holes than you would expect on a team that at one point this season was six and three. But here are some of the questions on on the uh, the on Cards Wire with uh, Jess Root wrote this: How are they going to maneuver the salary cap? And a lot of that ties into the free agents that you have. You know, is Hassan Reddick going to be back? Kenyon Drake? Um, there's there's you start to go up and down this lineup, and you're like, oh, there's some big names. The <laughs> Patrick Peterson. <laughs> I mean, these are these are guys that have been either big parts of this team for a while, like Patrick Peterson, or viewed as a big part coming into the season, like Kenyon Drake, or ended up actually being a big part. I mean, of those three guys I just named, Hassan Reddick's right there with being the most impactful player this this past season. Now, whether you believe he can do it again or not, or whether you believe he's worth the money, or that might not even matter. There might just be a team that drastically overpays for him, and then you're kind of out of it, but... Uh, the, the maneuvering the salary cap and figuring out which of these free agents you're going to keep, you can't keep them all, that is obviously a big question. It also ties in with uh, with Larry Fitzgerald, whether or not he's going to return because he's a free agent every year now. And <laughs> I don't know that you can be viewed as running Fitz out of town, but I also don't know that you can afford to pay him $11 million right now because you've got a lot of other pressing issues on this team, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Along those lines, 
One of the questions in Jess Root's article is, what does a potential post-fits receiver room look like? And we've talked about this a little bit. Do you go out there and try and find your number two receiver in the draft? I think if you're going to do that, you probably got to spend that first round pick on him and feel pretty confident that you took a guy that should be your number two receiver. Like I don't think you can go out there and be like, yeah, we're going to spend a mid-third round pick and that's going to be our number two receiver. Probably not. Maybe. But certainly not this upcoming year. You're not gonna. You're almost certainly not gonna find a third rounder who's gonna step in to be your number two receiver this upcoming year. And there is a lot of urgency on this year for the Cardinals because if you don't make the playoffs, those questions that are kind of being whispered right now about the coach are going to be a lot louder. So there is urgency to win this year. So I, I think you either got to address that number two receiver spot in an emphatic way in free agency or try and hope Bill O'Brien ends up on a team where you can make a trade, or you go out there and you just you spend that first-round pick. But the point that's brought up in the story is it's a very simple point, but I think we forget it, or we forget what it means. The Cardinals have their number one guy in DeAndre Hopkins. We do all this hand-wringing and like stressing out of, okay, well, how are they going to find their number two guy, or is Christian Kirk going to be that guy, or what are they going to do? Andy Isabella's ended up being a wasted pick, and you could have had DK Metcalf. And like All this stuff is true. Are you going to pay Larry Fitzgerald? All, all that stuff is fine. They have the hardest piece in the receiver room. So they should be able to fix the receiver room going into next season. You can look at all these areas and say, well, are they going to have enough of a pass rush next year? Are they... You know, is the play calling going to be better next year? Are they going to be able to to have confidence in their cornerbacks next year, whether they have Patrick Peterson or not? There's all these questions that you look at and you're like, okay, are they going to be able to do that? They absolutely should. Receivers should be a strength next year. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You know what you have to go out and do this offseason. And it's not like it's impossible to go out and either find a good receiver in the first round of the draft or find one in free agency. You're not looking for your number one receiver. You're just looking for a, like a very solid, legit number two guy. And I'm sure we'll go through lists later on in the offseason. But that's not... That shouldn't be an issue next year. You should be able to, to clean up the... Re- you, have, you have the tough one. If we were sitting here saying, okay, yeah, Fitz isn't coming back, or is he? We don't know. But Christian Kirk was like a good number two receiver, so they got to find a way to get a number one receiver. Well, you might not be able to draft him at 16, and you might not be able to get him at free agency, and you shouldn't be able to get him in a trade. But the Cardinals already got him in a trade last year. So I know there was all this, like, belly aching and wondering if if you know if there's a rift between DeAndre Hopkins and his quarterback or if they were just you know what, what's going on why can't you get Hopkins more involved or why can't you move him around all that stuff why isn't Hopkins practicing I don't care At the end of the year he had an amazing year on top of a bunch of other amazing years in his career you have him to build around and now you have a full offseason to do it receivers should not be an issue at all going into next season 